Section 3 of The Private and Public Life of Abraham Lincoln. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Brandon B. The Private and Public Life of Abraham Lincoln by Orville J. Victor. Chapter 3. Removal to Illinois, Hard Experiences, Second Flatboat Voyage to New Orleans, Becomes Known as Honest Abe, Enlists as a Volunteer in the Black Hawk War, Instance of His Extraordinary Physical Strength. The nomadic Thomas Lincoln was again to strike his tent for a newer home, for the Paradisian accounts of the prairie lands of Illinois began to spread in the more eastern states. Accordingly, he deputed Dennis Hanks, a relative of his living wife, to proceed to Illinois and to report upon actual advantages offered, and the inducements held out for a change of residence. The tour of investigation was duly made, and the subsequent report of the agent fully confirmed all that had been reported by others. The change of home was decided upon at once. It was a little more than two years after the flatboat voyage, and Abraham was just arrived of age, that Thomas Lincoln, in the month of March, 1830, accompanied by his family and the families of the two daughters and sons-in-law of his second wife, left the homestead in Indiana for the teeming prairies of Illinois. Their mode of conveyance was by ox teams, and, this time, the transit occupied 15 days. Reaching the county of Macon, they halted for a period, and during the same month, March, the Lincoln family settled on the north bank of the Sangamon River, about 10 miles in a westerly direction from Decatur. They reared a log cabin upon their new location, into which the family removed. The next improvement was a rail fence sufficient to surround 10 acres of ground, for which young Lincoln assisted in splitting the rails the identical rails which afterward became the theme of joke, song, and story. Of their history, the following incident is related. During the sitting of the Republican State Convention at Decatur, a banner, attached to two of these rails, and bearing an appropriate inscription, was brought into the assemblage, and formally presented to that body, amid a scene of unparalleled enthusiasm. After that, they were in demand in every state of the Union in which freed labor is honored, where they were born in processions of the people, and hailed by hundreds of thousands of freemen as a symbol of triumph, and as a glorious vindication of freedom and of the rights and dignity of free labor. These, however, were far from being the first or only rails made by Lincoln. He was a practiced hand at the business. Mr. Lincoln has now a cane made from one of the rails split by his own hands in boyhood. Having built their cabin and fenced their farm, they broke the ground, 
and raised a crop of sod corn on it the first year. The sons-in-law were, meantime, settled at other places in the country. A hard siege of fever and ague afflicted the new settlers before the close of the first autumn. Upon this account they were greatly discouraged, and determined to seek a more congenial location. They remained, however, through the succeeding winter, which was the season of the deep snow of Illinois. For three weeks, or more, the snow was three feet deep upon a level, and the weather intensely cold. There was great consequent suffering entailed upon beasts as well as men, all being totally unprepared for such extraordinary severity of climate. Our pioneers were fortunate in having a sufficient supply of corn, but they had laid up an insufficient quantity of meat, and the deep snow seriously interfered with their dependence upon their rifles. Abraham, however, was willing to brave any and every hardship to relieve their household wants. Through his untiring exertions, he managed to furnish enough game to keep the family in food. Although he was not a first-rate hunter, his love for books having early overcome the fondness and enthusiasm with which he had at first adopted the rifle. We seldom went hunting together writes one of his early associates on this subject. Abe was not a noted hunter, as the time spent by other boys in such amusements was improved by him in the perusal of some good book. And yet we have evidence that, during the first years of the settlement in Indiana, he did become a proficient in the use of the rifle. His after-devotion to labor by day and books by night evidently permitted his early skill to become somewhat rusty. During that memorable winter, the family realized how much they were indebted to his devotion and remarkable powers of endurance. During this same winter, near its close, young Lincoln, in company with his stepmother's son, John D. Johnson, and John Hanks proposed another flatboat trip to the Crescent City. They therefore hired themselves to a person named Dennis Ofalt to take a boat to that metropolis from Beardstown, Illinois, they agreeing to meet their employer at Springfield, Illinois, when the snow should have melted off, and complete their arrangements for the trip. But when the snow melted, in the early part of March, 1831, traveling by land became impractical, as the county was entirely flooded. So they purchased a large canoe, and came down the Sangamon River therein. By this mode, Mr. Lincoln made his first entrance into the county of Sangamon. Ofalt, however, had failed to procure the boat, so they hired themselves to him at $12 per month each, and were employed in getting the timber out of the forest and in building a boat at Old Sangamon Town, seven miles northwest of Springfield, on the Sangamon River. In this craft, they eventually proceeded to New Orleans. 
During the prosecution of this boating enterprise, Ofalt conceived a liking for young Lincoln and contracted with him to act as a clerk in charge of a store and mill at New Salem, Illinois. After his return from New Orleans, Lincoln, in pursuance of his new contract, remained at New Salem. This was in July 1831. Here he soon made many acquaintances and friends, and won the respect of all with whom he had business dealings. Well, socially, he was even more beloved by his acquaintances, and came to be familiarly known as Honest Abe. In less than a year, however, Ofold's business fell off considerably, and upon the breaking out of the Black Hawk War of 1832, Lincoln joined a volunteer company, and, to his great surprise, was elected captain thereof. He says that he has not since had any success in life which gave him so much satisfaction. An anecdote is current of our subject, pertaining to this era of his life, which is interesting. Soon after the election of the company officers, a friend of Captain Lincoln had vaunted the newly elected commander as the strongest man in Illinois, when a stranger, who was listening, expressed a doubt as to the truth of the assertion, at the same time mentioning another individual whom he considered as the stouter man. The friend of the newly elected captain at length proposed a small wager, which was accepted, that his champion could lift a barrel of whiskey, holding forty gallons, and drink out of the bunghole. The interested parties proceeded to Captain Abe, who was nothing averse to making the experiment for the gratification of his friend. A barrel of whiskey containing the necessary amount of gallons was accordingly procured, when the test was performed with readiness and apparent ease. As another man might have raised a six-gallon demijohn, the barrel was lifted and the requisite mouthful extracted from the bunghole, to the astonishment of the incredulous stranger. The bet is mine, cried the athlete's admirer, as the former replaced the barrel on the floor. But that is the first dram of whiskey I ever saw you swallow, Abe. The captain immediately spurted the cheek full of whiskey upon the floor, with the explanation, and I haven't swallowed that, you see. His friend burst out laughing at this demonstration of the incorrigible teetotaler. And this same friend, long afterward, writes, That was the only drink of intoxicating liquor I ever knew him to take, and that he spurted out on the floor. Whether true or not, this little anecdote, so far as it concerns the whiskey, is in keeping with the temperate habits which have since distinguished him. Young Lincoln's company, shortly afterward, proceeded to Beardstown, whence in a few days it was summoned to the expected scene of conflict. But when the term of enlistment, thirty days, had expired, the men were disbanded at Ottawa, with most of their fellow volunteers, 
and return to their homes without having seen the enemy. However, a new levy being called for, Abraham did what few of our embryo captains of the present day would be likely to do, re-enlisted as a private. Again, their term of enlistment having expired, they were disbanded, and the war still not over. Determined to serve his country as long as the war should last, and desirous of participating in a battle, he enlisted for a third time. But the Battle of Bad Axe was, nevertheless, fought without him. And, before the last term of enlistment had expired, the contest was at an end. He returned home, neither covered with honors, nor honored by scars. Quote, Having lost his horse, near where the town of Janesville, Wisconsin, now stands, he went down Rock River to Dixon in a canoe. Thence he crossed the county on foot to Peoria, where again he took canoe to a point on the Illinois River, within 40 miles of home. The latter distance he accomplished on foot. End of quote. He is said to have been a great favorite in the army, an efficient officer, and a brave, danger-scorning, fatigue-defying soldier. End of section 3